Chances are you have been socialized to believe that in order to be valued and loved and included, you have to be good. Essentially, if you're not good, none of your needs are going to be met. The worst thing in the world is to be selfish. Because of all of this, let's call it programming, what you do is that you learn that the best thing to do in life is to abandon your best interests. And when you abandon your best interests, you believe that doing so makes you a good person. But what's actually happening is that your wires are getting drastically crossed. Because those wires are drastically crossed, you may think you're the good guy. But actually, by abandoning your best interests, you become the bad guy. You've heard me talk a lot about the zero-sum game in relationships. What a zero-sum game is, is I win and you lose. There is no possible way to create a relationship that will last and that feels good when you're playing a zero-sum game, because by definition, it corrodes trust in relationships. Trust is to rely upon the fact that somebody will capitalize on your best interests. If I'm playing an I win and you lose game, I have literally proven to you that I will not capitalize on your best interests, and so you cannot trust me. It would be ridiculous and idiotic to do so. To understand trust, which is the most important part of a relationship, you can watch my video titled What is Trust and How to Build Trust in Relationships. To give you an example of a zero-sum game, let's take two people. Let's say these people are currently in a committed relationship. Let's say that one person, let's say their best interest, is to have an open relationship, but the other person's best interest is to have a monogamous one. If one person, the one that wants the open relationship, simply goes out behind their partner's back and starts having sex with other people, this is a zero-sum game. It's also a zero-sum game if the other person, the one wanting a monogamous relationship, says, well, we're in a committed relationship, and so it's going to be monogamous. That's the end of it. That is also a zero-sum game. Parents and caregivers are the ones that teach children to play zero-sum games. The reason is, is that parents tend to treat children, even not just parents, adults tend to treat children as if they're subhuman. An adult who tends to have more power, for a great many reasons, tends to subvert a child's best interests and not accommodate them. This is especially true because as parents we have this wonderful belief that is we know what's best for our child and a hell of a lot more what's best for them than they do. For example, let's say a child's miserable in a certain situation. A parent will usually say you're going anyway and invalidate the child's perspective about whatever it is that they're having a conflict about. But many parents take it one step further. When their child expresses his or her best interests, they shame their child for it. They call the child selfish for it. They teach the child that to be good and to have a chance at meeting any of their needs and to show their parents love, they should abandon their best interests. The child is literally systematically programmed to disown his or her best interests. Now here's the most interesting thing about all this that I've said. When we disown our best interests, we swing all the way to the opposite side of the pendulum from people who are so attached to their best interests that they fail to or refuse to accommodate other people's best interests. But by swinging to the opposite side of the pendulum, we actually also create a zero-sum game. What we have created with this zero-sum game is a setup.
The setup is that when we disown our best interests, we force other people around us to enter into a zero-sum game that they never knew they were playing and never intended to play, and nonetheless we punish them for it. In a business situation, this is rather straightforward. It's understood that a business decision, a business transaction, has to be a win-win. It's understood that if the best interests of one company cannot be accommodated by the best interests of another company, then there is no business deal. In other words, the best interests of both companies would be considered incompatible. When this is the case, the focus is no longer put on how can we find a great deal, it's on how can both of us find resolution with there being no deal. This seems really straightforward, right? But this is the thing. Our relationships actually work the same way that these business deals do. However, we don't actually think of them this way. <laughs> it doesn't seem so straightforward when it comes to especially a romantic relationship. Basically, we don't commit to win-win in our relationships, in our personal relationships. We also don't change or end relationships that are in fact zero-sum games. Instead, we bank on the fact that another person's best interest is to stay with us, and we use that to give us leeway to play zero-sum games. We also believe in our heart that our best interest is to stay with somebody and to not be alone, so we put up with zero-sum games. We also don't face incompatibility in relationships. I'm aware that in the world today, where the basic mantra is, where there's love, there's a way, it's really, really popular. It's not great to hear people like me say that that's total BS, but it is. Compatibility in relationships is absolutely critical. And when there's incompatibility in a relationship, we have to be able to face that directly. For this reason, I highly suggest you watch my video titled Incompatibility, a Harsh Reality in Relationships. Something that most people don't get about facing incompatibility is that facing incompatibility is in both people's best interests always in a relationship. Basically, facing incompatibility is part of accommodating both your and other people's best interests. A fish can't be in the air and a bird can't be underwater. If a third option can't be found, it is in the best interests of both to face that incompatibility rather than to demand that a fish fly or a bird swims. In a relationship, just like in a good business situation, you have got to know what your best interests are. You have to own them. That means that you commit to taking responsibility for caretaking them. And part of that is commit to making sure that you're going to put yourself or your company, whatever it is, in a situation where its needs can reasonably be met. And a big part of owning your best interests is to clearly communicate those best interests so as to allow other people to accommodate them or to face incompatibility and decide what the both of you are going to do in alignment with your best interests, given that there is one. Not doing this sets up people to be the bad guy even when they aren't. I often say that all it takes to become a narcissist around a real embedded codependent, meaning somebody who has adopted a codependent style of relationship, because let's remember, the codependent and the narcissist, they aren't actually personality disorders at all. What it is, it's an adaptation. It's a style of relationships that they have learned. Now, that being said, all it takes to become a narcissist is to be in a relationship with a good enough codependent. Because all it takes to be a narcissist with someone like that 
is to have an opinion, to have a need, to express a desire, to share the honest truth, or to take the lead. The reason is that a person who adapts this codependent style of relationship interaction disowns themselves in order to meet their needs covertly. This includes their best interests. The person who disowns their best interests does not take any responsibility for caretaking their best interests or communicating them. Instead, they expect the people in their lives to be psychic. They expect them to not only be psychic so as to know what their best interests are, but also for people to own and therefore take the full responsibility of their best interests for them. Underneath this behavior is the programmed belief that if somebody loves them, they're going to do the same thing that they do all the time, which is to sacrifice their own best interests. That's their actual subconscious definition of love. Now, obviously, if this is their subconscious definition of love and it's what they were trained to do by their parents and it's what they do in you know, habitual patterns of relationship, then it's obvious why somebody would just expect that that's what other people are going to do towards them. Now, this is a massive setup, isn't it? Not only for the other person, but also for themselves, because what do they find? People don't really sacrifice themselves, do they? <laughs> then they get to see those people as totally self-centered, narcissistic assholes. This moral judgment about what people should do, and especially should know to do, relative to the best interests that were never even communicated, demolishes relationships. This is a big reason why some people feel like they are constantly self-sacrificing to all the self-centered people in their lives. The thing is, the people in their lives have been expected to be psychic about their best interests and know when yes means no. And they've been expected to own best interests that were never even communicated, keep transactions they never knew they were getting into, and sacrifice their own best interests to prove their love. It's tempting to see these self-sacrificing individuals who are always subverting their best interests for the best interests of others as the good guys. But I don't want you to think so fast. Not only does this fuel the dysfunction of their psychology, it's also not the truth. Have you noticed that everyone around them is the bad guy? Have you noticed that everyone around them seems to be playing a zero-sum game? Consider that potentially everyone around them isn't actually a bad guy. Potentially not everyone around them is playing a zero-sum game. Potentially they have set everyone up to unintentionally play one. I'm going to give you an example of this dynamic. Someone I know started a business. She figured that it would be a good opportunity for a friend of hers who hated his job to offer him to come work with her and start the company with her instead. She paid him a salary. When the Articles of Incorporation were written, 100% ownership of the company was written to the name of the woman who started the business. The man who had quit his job in order to work with her to start the business knew this and said nothing about it. Years later, this friend wanted to move into a different house with his girlfriend. Because it cost more money than he had, he approached her to ask for money. She was completely shocked during the conversation to find out that, without ever communicating the expectation, he had not seen the opportunity she gave him as an opportunity to work as an employee, but instead saw himself as a business partner, and instead expected that because he started the business with her, regardless of what the Articles of Incorporation said, that she would simply give him a portion of the company or buy him a house when he needed it, or at the very least, give him a lump sum of money that a partner in a company would be entitled to, in case he ever asked for it. It was a transaction she never knew she was getting into, a debt she never knew she was accruing, and one she would never have committed to if she would have known from the get-go that that was what she was getting into. She would have said no. Nevertheless, 
her refusal to give him what he perceived to be owed to him based off of his perception of this whole transaction enabled him to cast her in the light of the bad and the evil one, basically the bitch narcissist. The sad thing is this relationship still hasn't recovered from it. Now the thing that you need to understand about the scenario is the woman in the scenario was not actually playing a zero-sum game. She was not playing an I win and you lose. She never even knew that she was getting into that scenario. Instead, the man in the scenario set her up to look as if a zero-sum game was being played. He set the whole situation up to make it seem like she was winning and he was losing. There was no ownership of his best interests and no communication of them, and so there was never an opportunity for them to be accommodated, and there was never an opportunity for there to be a great look at the incompatibility between their expectations. If I had a quarter for every time I sat down with a woman and heard her complain to me about the fact that her husband is such a narcissistic asshole because he never puts energy into her, never really spends time with the kids, and then watched with my own eyes, watched her get a phone call from him where he says, yet again, he's going to be gone somewhere. I'm going to play golf, honey. I'm going on a business trip. And she says, okay, honey. Well, will you be home for dinner? Well, that, yeah, that's okay hangs up the phone and rolls her eyes as if it's confirmation. I would be a gazillionaire. Do you see the dysfunction in what just happened, regardless of how commonplace it may be? She is not presenting her best interests. She is not standing by them. She's complaining to a third party about her best interests while giving him the message that it's fine. By not owning your own best interests, you make it literally impossible to have a relationship. You make it impossible for your best interests to be accommodated. You make it impossible for anyone to consider and directly face incompatibilities so as to meet your best interests and their best interests, given that there is incompatibility. Because by doing this, by not owning your best interests, you make a win-win impossible you actually are incredibly dangerous to be in a relationship with because you frame people. Whether you directly own your best interests or not, you can't actually get rid of your best interests because they're the same as needs. I mean, so many of your best interests are your personal needs, right? And so <laughs> what happens with needs? If you disown your needs, you won't directly and consciously take care of them your only option, because you can't get rid of them, is to meet those needs in a manipulative way. It's no different with best interests. To understand this in depth, watch my video titled Meet Your Needs. If this pattern of disowning your best interests runs deeply enough, then you're going to meet your best interests in a really dysfunctional way. A way that will damage both you and the people around you. And this is how it will happen. You will unconsciously manipulate to meet your best interests through the pity you get from being the victim. You will turn everyone around you into the bad guy so that you see yourself as good and so that other people see you as good and you can get the kickbacks of being the underdog even when you actually aren't. If you disown your best interests, the nicest person on the planet can be forced to play a zero-sum game they never even knew they were playing 
and therefore never would have wanted to win if they knew they were playing it. For this reason, even though it is absolutely terrifying to go from being a person who has learned that to be a good person you have to be selfless and disown your best interests, it's terrifying for you to consider owning them. Even if it's terrifying, if you want a good relationship, you have got to begin to own your best interests. You also have to communicate them. And when I say communicate them, I mean communicate them from the get-go. Don't communicate them days after, even hours after, but especially not months later and, God forbid, years later. <laughs> that's when, that's when you know that your life is really going to hit the fan. Is when you don't express those best interests in the beginning and retroactively punish someone for not meeting them. Regardless of what your parents taught you, regardless of what society that you have been raised in taught you, love is not about self-sacrifice. Love is about finding a win-win scenario for any party involved in the relationship. Love is about the accommodation of each other's best interests. And love includes facing incompatibility when no win-win actually exists. Have a good week.